Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Before you listen to this podcast, be aware this show often uses very naughty language. If you don't like that, you shouldn't listen. Send your complaints to I am a whiny baby with no sense of humor at nightstory.com or stop by the studio. I'll take you for a ride to a story of my choosing. This is Tony Sarekia, writer and producer of the Harry Strange radio drama, and you're listening to The Ninth Story. eventually comes down to a choice. In such a big world, so many choices. Here, in this little lost place, things are simpler. You'll find it because you are meant to. And inside, you'll find my lift and me. I'll take you where you need to go, and then you choose. Once you do, things will get much better. Or much worse. <laughs> Find the lift at victoriaslift.com and also in iTunes at itunes.victoriaslift.com. Hey there. Do you like legends, myths, and whiskey? Or maybe just one of those things? Then you should listen to the Legends, Myths, and Whiskey podcast. For more information, head over to legendsmythsandwhiskey.com. Welcome to episode number 406 of the Night Story Podcast, and we are back again with our good friend Richard. And, uh, well, I'll give you the last name, too. Yeah, I know lots of people named Richard, right? So we got Richard Ainsworth, who is the, do we want to call you the creator or the the discoverer of Widow Shins? Um, oh, blimey. Uh, it could be, it could be <laughs> compiler. There you go. Gab to and give him the stories for. Yeah. I mean, we want to give you credit where credit's due for actually bringing it into the world and everything. But uh, as we found last time and, and when we were talking, um, you've done a ton of research and a lot of this actually comes from the real world. Yeah. And I always love things that blur the line between the real world and a fictional world that we've created from it. And you've done a really good job of weaving in all the facts that you found and all the strange coincidences, which if they weren't from the real world, people would be like, well, that's really convenient that you created that. Mm -hmm. It's almost too convenient sometimes. Right. But I mean, that's, that's the fun thing about things that are real is that you can have those kinds of strange coincidences that nobody would ever believe. Well, one straight, and again, another strange coincidence that I did have was I was doing all my research into people like um, we mentioned before, the Hardcastles, who was the mill owner. And I've never, the area I'm living in now, which is the Widow Shins area, I've never lived here ever before. And as far as I knew, none of my family ever had. I'm from a totally different part of Manchester, totally different. And I was doing the research into Widow Shins and Thomas Hardcastle, the mill owner, because I was thinking, there's got to be a story about him somewhere. Mm-hmm. And then I found out about his son, Thomas Hardcastle, who was a lieutenant colonel in the Lancashire Fusiliers, who served under Lord Kitchener. 
while he was in the Sudan. Great. Off I'll go to the local army place and go and research Thomas Hardcastle. Mm -hmm. So I'm in there, and as I'm filling the forms in to go and get information, they said, what's your name? I said, Bardsley. I said, oh, okay, Bardsley, okay. Um, have you had anybody who is in the Blanks Fusiliers? He said, well, it was my uncle, uncle my Uncle George. And, um, oh, right, okay, what was he in? Oh, he was in Blanks Fusiliers in the Second World War. Da, 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 da. Oh, right. Oh, did you know you're related to the Accolades? said, yeah, that was... That was our family who came over um, as Huguenots from France. Right, well, I said, ah, well then, you're related to Faulkner, Ackley. So, okay, who's he? He said, oh, he was a lieutenant colonel. The next lieutenant colonel to Thomas Hardcastle. They were both served under Kitchener at the same battles. Oh, that's so, okay. really wow. interesting. Oh, no, this one gets even really stranger. He said, here's a photo. They dug out a photo of him and Thomas Hardcastle together in 1921, um, opening the cenotaph at St. Maxentius Church. Um... What? Now, that was very weird because um, only a couple months before had been November the 11th, you know, Remembrance Sunday. And I stood in the same place my distant relation had stood in 1921, and I never knew. That's amazing. Wow. And these are the, so I was, I was kind of about all this, but then I remembered something of, I got, got another friend called Chaim. Chaim is a, is a rabbi. Mm -hmm. And when I was writing all this Wiltshire and stuff, he was a bit, you know, the occult, not, not, not too pleased about it. He said, but you've been given this to do, Rick. And every time I started writing, making stories up, a few months later, I'd find there'd be more than grains of truth in it. And Haim said, that's fine. He said, you've been given this to do. He said, um, I'm, I, I don't know what the ex expression is, but it was a Yiddish expression, but it basically translated as knowing without knowing. Right. And he said, that's yeah. what you've been given to do. He said, whether you're going to make any money out of this or it's going to fall on its ass, it doesn't matter. <laughs> he said, you've been given it to do, so you've got to go and do it. <laughs> so... I'm saddled with it. Whether I like it or not, I'm saddled with it. So. <laughs> Might as well enjoy it. That's right. Might as well, yeah. So, Jeanette, why don't you dig into some of your awesome questions that you had? Yeah. I, uh, well, I don't know. We just, I had some, like, warm-up questions, but I feel like we're really well warmed up <laughs> at the moment. Yeah. Um, but I'll ask them anyway. Uh, did you spend a lot of time reading as a child? I'm very yes. curious. Yes. And what was your favorite, like, place to read? The toilet. <laughs> <laughs> it was quiet. You wouldn't get disturbed, and nobody asked any questions. <laughs> I'm curious what stories influenced you from your that you read as a child that are still kind of filtering through your brain Lewis. now. C.S. Lewis. Ah, of course. The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. Prince Caspian, Don Trader. Oh, oh, man. Wonderful stuff. Don't we all as a child want that, though? I mean, to like, you're actually important, and we're going to take you off into this other yeah. world. And when you come back, no time has passed. It's okay. Brilliant. Yeah. Have you ever read an author called Philippa Pierce? I don't think I have. She she wrote um, a lot of things like um, where stories where children um, were, they, they were the main subjects, but there's always a little bit of the occult with it as well. Um and but, uh, books like Tom's Midnight Garden. Okay. That was where... Oh, I think I've heard of that young, one. You've heard of that one. It's a young boy he has got um, he's taken away from his brother because his brother's got measles, so he has to go and stay with his aunts and uncle. And he goes to this old Victorian house where they've got a flat, uh, an apartment, sorry. And mm -hmm. um, there's this old woman there who's con con a real pain in the butt. So at night, he's devises his own like play and but when he goes outside the whole area's changed and it's a big garden and he meets two he meets two children like himself who are of his age group and it only turns out at the very end of this book that it's the old woman as she was when she was a child and he stops her being killed ah, okay. it's a great great story uh -huh. 
love that kind of thing. I mean, even now, my daughter's, um, my daughter, my eldest daughter's uh, nine now, so she's getting really into that. And it's like, Dad, what have you got? Have a look at this one. <laughs> um, have you ever heard of um, Clive King? Um, a, a children's book called Stig of the Dump. You've no. got to read that. Okay. Again, it's, it's, that's child-based, about a, a young boy who goes um, to stay with his, his gran, and then he falls down a chalk pit and meets a caveman who's a throwback. Oh, okay. That, these are wonderful children's stories. But even as an adult, you read them with a different set of eyes, and you can now understand not, not the morals, but, but it was a kind of message to it, but it wasn't a preaching message. Yeah. Yeah. It's just say, you know, children do these things because they're children. Again, Roald Dahl stuff, anything by Roald Dahl. Oh, oh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, him and Neil Gaiman, I think, are are, yeah. are two of the the greatest writers in terms of writing the children's story that, as an adult, you can still read and get a lot out of mm-hmm. it. Well, Roald Dahl, you see, he, those things, he would deal with death in children's books as well. Mm-hmm. And all his, oh, the publishers at the time said, oh, you can't mention somebody dying in a book. It's a children's book. He said, no, you deal with it and you move on. Right. Because that's how the children will have to do, deal with it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. You've got people going up tubes, being drowned in chocolate. And yeah. Well, it's like, okay, and next. Off we go. Right, you know, right. Very <laughs> Next. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I had the uh, the opportunity to have uh, or to see Neil Gaiman speak whenever he was here in Pittsburgh, and one of the things that he had talked about was that you know children's stories, the children are less disturbed by certain things than the parents are. The parents are uh, like, for instance, uh, he, you know, he was talking about Coraline and the fact that most adults find a lot of the stuff that's in there very very disturbing, but kids can handle it just fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's it's interesting but, how that works. I think we're more worried about what they're going to be disturbed by yeah. than they are. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, it's it's like um, the great uh, comic book, book artist. Oh, blimey, I can't remember his name. His, his name escapes me, and I can't get the book because my nine year old my nine year old daughter's run off with it, and I'll probably be hung by the school if they found out she's been reading it. <laughs> Tells them the crypt. Tells from the crypt. Oh, they're great, though. Oh, yeah. 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 Clara's buggered off with it. It's like it's a school bag. God knows what's going to happen tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that one. It. I watched that a lot as a kid. I didn't have access to the comics, but I did have access to a video store where I would rent Tales from the Crypt a lot, and they were not for kids, but I loved them so much. Yeah. <laughs> That's what Clarice knows. But they've got a they've got a book day tomorrow in school, so I've got to rescue that one pretty quickly. I've got social services around here going, excuse me, come here. You can't really let your cat your kid read this in school at least. No, 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 no. Oh man. So but I also got told off for um teaching this teaching the wrong hymns at school as well. Oh no. Because you know, I've got I, I, I I like to think I've got a little bit of a sense of humor. Uh-huh. And, mm-hmm. you know, every year they do the nativity play. Mm-hmm. And every year they've got to stand up there and sing the hymns. And every year they go, yada, yada, yada. So my daughter was having to learn the words for a certain hymn. Mm-hmm. So I'm a bit boring, really. So, donkey, little donkey. You, you might have heard that one, you might not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I changed the words to wonky donkey. <laughs> One leg longer than the rest. Wonky donkey, wonky donkey. <laughs> You'll stop me to our best. Oh, that's tremendous. And they didn't appreciate that, huh? No, they, not when she taught the rest of the children to sing that in sensitivity uh, play. No. Uh, um, I bet the audience liked it, though. I bet. <laughs> Well, they were quiet and they listened to it. I'm not sure it was stunned silence <laughs> or they were <laughs> Well, I never. <laughs> it's amazing. So what we've learned is your daughter's a go-getter and just is like, you know what? This is awesome. I'm going to teach everybody else about it. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was yes, That's, <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> So you have all this research that you've done. You have all this information. You have to kind of trickle it out piece by piece when you're writing. Do you ever find that to be a challenge where you just want to dump a bunch of information? Yes, but I cheat because there's always a mouthpiece in the stories that can go split and have a brain fart. 
it can either be Ruby or if it's to do with the church, it can be the vicar or mm. it can be the bishop. So, you know, I know it's a bit like um, James Randi saying, ha, that's how they did the trick. But if I get into a corner, I can always rely on one of those three to blow the gaff. <laughs> yeah, dialogue is a great way to reveal information. And, yes. you know, just the, the conversation back and forth where you have one character that wants to know and doesn't know. And you have another character that's like, well, I have all the secrets and here they are. Yeah. And as, and as much as my wife complains, I am a great book buyer. I just, I, oh, I can't resist a book, especially if it's a bargain. I mean, it's a bargain. Mm-hmm. I may never read it, but it's a bargain. Yeah, it's a good deal. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, you that's, never know when you're going to need it. Exactly right. You never know. You might be going to the and bathroom was, at some point. You might need a book. Exactly. You know, See? I, I, buy, I buy all these. Here, I've got, here we go, next to me. They got things like Crowley's Crowley's complete astrological writings. Ah, right? that was, that's that awesome. was about. Let's see, work it out how much. That'd be about a dollar fifty. Well, a dollar fifty. That's worth it. How can you yeah, not buy it? Exactly. And it's and research. And the information. Yeah, yeah it is. And what else have we got here? Here we go. Exploring the occult. Dollar. He's, you know, he's I'll explore the call for a dollar. Exactly. Absolutely. Those are both books that I would have been like, oh, yes, please. Derp, derp, derp. <laughs> Another name to write down for if people want to get into the occult reading, excuse me, David Conway. He did a great book um, in the 60s, just when Gardner, Gardner had been dead a few years, and Conway did this book, which is basically a how to guide. And the reasons why. Um, great, great book. And he also did a great book on herbs as well for for witchcraft. Nice. Um, but that is for anybody to get that one. That is the book. The Black Arts. By Richard Cavendish. Oh. It takes through the whole history, everything from numbers, the tarot, the worship of the devil, where it came from, where it was going to, why, but then it also gives explanations of how it's done as well. It's a great little, and you can pick that up for a couple of dollars as well. So in the process of doing all this research, have you, have you adopted any of the, of these practices and any of this into your lifestyle? Has any of this started to make sense to you where you're like, well, this works and this doesn't work. And or, or is it no. purely scientific to you, where it's just a process of going through and learning about it? I've been, I've always, well, in my life, lived in Lancashire, and Lancashire has been so steeped in the in Lancashire witches, you can't be brought up or born here without having some influence. So you don't, you don't dismiss it as mumbo jumbo, and there's always something that's that's rubbed off, or you'll say, "Well, I'll give that a whirl," because it's like Dr Pepper. What's the worst that can happen? <laughs> Apart from getting ripped to bits by Astaroth, but that's uh, you know, no. <laughs> you roll with the punches. <laughs> no, you'll have um, to roll because you can't walk at that point. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, You're welcome. <laughs> you know, if you say all demons are liars, then how do I know who I'm speaking to? Because you might not be the one that I think you are and could be a lot worse. Right. Mm-hmm. So you've got to be careful. But no, you're right. There, yes, I have tried a few things and yes, I do have adopted a few things because uh, it, it, it kind of, they're not done any harm. They kind of work. But I've also been influenced a lot by my wife. You see, my wife's from Russia mm-hmm. and she's got a lot of contacts in like very old families and things like that. And one of her gra- great grandparents, she was what we classify as a witch anyway. So Kat's got a lot of like weird and wonderful beliefs uh, that she's brought over here with her. Like, you know, you can't do certain things on certain days. And if you want something to work, you've got to do this. And so I can't get away from it. And so you might as well live it and see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> the one thing I do trust is the Biedermeier cards. They're the German East European, uh, yep, always here. 
<laughs> Take them everywhere with me. They're great because they're very bloody. By that, I mean um, they don't pull punches. Ah, okay. You know, with, with tarot, there's a lot of nuance with, ah, oh, well, it could be this, it could be that, it could be the other. Beat my cards, nah, 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 mate. It's none of that. You can ask it a direct question like, is this going to happen? And it comes back and says, you are joking. It's like, <laughs> right, okay, then next. <laughs> and how, do you, how do you spell that? Because I've never actually heard of that. No, me neither. Uh, here we go. It is. Are we ready? Yes. B-I-E-D-E-R-M-E-I-E-R. You can buy them on from eBay. Yeah. Nice. Uh, made by Interesting. Edenmeyer. Yeah, you know exactly what's ending up in the blog post. <laughs> yeah, that's fascinating. But they're great. They really are great. Um, um, even so, I mean, like, like I said, they were bloody. When I was being tagged along by some of the big publishers, I'd be asking the cards question, is this the one? And they come back, no. Thinking, oh, well, I, I've shuffled that one wrong. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so that's yeah, so funny. For those of you who don't like the wishy-washy uh, tarot cards, you have something new to put in your repertoire. Mm-hmm. Something that'll just straight up say no. <laughs> so, in in terms of researching this and and trying things out and working with this stuff, has there ever been anything that you found to be incredibly profound or spooky again it goes back to the beat of my cards where uh i asked it direct questions and it came back with answers uh whether i wanted them or not and then they turned out to be right completely hmm. about this is about certain characters that I was, I was in business with and it was warning me don't don't do this rick don't do this rick and then i did it and then i got burnt and then i knew so that, that is the spooky kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, it, it, I think it's when it, it affects you directly in a manner and it's overwhelmingly not just chance. Yeah. Because you've done the, the spread three or four times and it's come back with the same answer. And then exactly what the spread says happens. And you're thinking, well, I didn't really tell anybody else about this. And I didn't, um, I wasn't setting it up. If anything else, I was willing it to give me the answer I wanted. Yeah, and it went a different Mm -hmm. direction. Yeah. Yeah, but it wouldn't do that. So that's the kind of spooky thing. Um, If you want to talk about real ghosts, um, encounters with ghosts, I had one with my daughter, Clara. I've got, I've got three children. I've got Clara, Anna, and Alexander. Clara's the eldest, and she seems the mo- one most receptive. And when she was 18 months old, um, my, my father had died. Well, Clara's, Clara's nine now. Um, my father died in the year 2000, so she's never met him, never knew anything about him, about his character, or even his name. Because at the 18 months old, she was too young to know any of that. And we had this little intercom from her bedroom downstairs so we could hear if there's anything wrong with her. And we could hear her giggling. And so I, I toddled upstairs to hear what was going on. And she was talking to somebody. Yeah. I opened the door and she's stood at one end of a cot, looking to the corner of the room, giggling, pointing and laughing. So, well, hey, oh, what's going on here? Uh-huh. Yeah, I goes, so, Clara, are you okay? She goes, yeah, yeah. I was talking to granddad, John, John. My dad's name was John. Oh, my. Oh, man. And, he, and my dad was always the person in the family. If they wanted something to babysit, it was daddy who would do it. <sighs> so that was, oh, And it was like, and on that note. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so it was, it, that's, that was spooky. Yeah. Yeah. That would be very spooky. Just, you know, it's just granddad, John, John. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you know his name now. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. so casual. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm just going down to associate myself to another John, a Johnny Walker. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> That'll fix it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's kind of where we're at. And yes, I believe in a lot of the cult things. I'm not just writing it as a cynical ploy. 
It's because I think I think if I was writing as a cynical play, that would come through in the writing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, you can always tell whenever it's someone's just paying lip service to something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because when things have happened to you, it's difficult um, to be dismissive. Yeah. Yeah. When it directly affects you. And I'd like to believe anyway, because I, I do believe. I don't know if it's, it's an afterlife like, you know, heaven and you all get wings and harps and things. I hope that's not right. Um, but m- my personal belief is very simple. You know, you see somebody like some of the guys coming back from Iraq who've had arms and legs blown off. It's still them. Um, they lose both limbs. It's still them. Where does it have to go to stop being you? Mm. You know? so. Yeah. After your body's given up, does that mean you've given up totally? I, you know, is there's a life force, and they always say there's a life force in every religion, mm-hmm. right down the ages. There's always been this thing about a life force. Mm-hmm. So, you know, whether it's a force of character or or whatever, there's something. So I don't, I, um, I can't believe there isn't something. And if I'm wrong, well, what the hell? Because I won't know anyway. <laughs> exactly right. It's. The, the ultimate proof comes w- whenever there's no way that you can use that ultimate proof one way or the other, right? Yeah. Well, I'll know eventually. <laughs> yeah, and by that time, it's kind of yeah. too late, so. Yep. It's like, <laughs> so we'll it's like have McGrann. all the answers. Right. M- when she was in her late 80s, she turned to read the Bible, and I said, what are you doing that for? You know, she'd never really been released all her life, and she went, look, I'm practicing for my finals. <laughs> <laughs> that's one way to, <laughs> to call it <laughs> was it samuel was it samuel johnson who was on his deathbed and um the priest came in and told him to renounce the devil and he said this is no time to be making enemies <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic uh, that's a great response <laughs> So I'm curious as a as me being a writer, one of the things that I'm always curious about is is process and you know what what works for some people as opposed to others because I don't think that any of us have a set method that works for us that is 100% going to work for someone else. But but I am curious when you when you do all this research and you're sitting down to write, how do you start with your first draft? I mean, do you go all the way through? Do you write in chapters? Do you start with an outline? What works best for you to get this organized into a story? Um, I start with the character and say, right, they're here. I want them to get to there and then let them go on the journey. It, luckily, the characters have developed themselves in such a way now, I can put them into situations and they do it themselves. Uh, that's I love that when that happens. I mean, I think as a writer, that's and every writer I've ever talked to, they're like, that's the neatest thing is when you sit down and the character just starts to do things and you're like, well, I didn't expect yeah. you to do that. No, you're supposed to go this way. And the yeah. character has the yeah. mind of their own and they're going to react to that situation yeah. in their own way. And if the notes fit in with where the character is going, great. But if they don't, that's too tough. You know, yeah. something else will appear. They've got their own lives, you know, and some of them, and as you'll see in the stories, a lot of them have their own deaths. Yeah. Um, but, you can't or you shouldn't dictate or try and force a situation because that'll, that'll come through as false because you people will become involved with your characters and they'll go, no, they wouldn't do that. Yeah. And then that'll ultimately destroy everything you've built up. Yeah. I have one particular character that she is very, she knows what she wants to do and how she wants to do it when mm-hmm. she wants to do it. And there's no way that I can force her. I mean, I, I can tell when I'm trying to make the story yeah. or make her go in a direction she doesn't want to go because she all but tells me. And, and you feel uncomfortable yourself. Yes. You know, it, <laughs> you go, you know it's, you're doing the wrong thing. Yeah. You know, it's like your family. You know, oh, God, if I, if I, if I bought Anna, my youngest daughter, a red T-shirt, I know I would have hell to pay because I know she doesn't like it. So why would you put your character in a red T-shirt if you know that that's what they would not do? <laughs> it's as natural as that, isn't it? Right. Yeah. You know? Oh, oh, you know, one of them supports the Red Sox. Great, I'll go and get you a Raiders top. 
great idea. <laughs> Unless you're trying yeah. to cause some conflict. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> but it does become that way, doesn't it? You don't intend to. And the thing is, I don't think any of this is intentional. They they just grow like children because, you know, a child starts off, I wouldn't say it's a blank, blank piece of paper. They just seem to develop their own traits. Yeah, you can guide them and nurture them, but they're going to become their own person. Yeah. And, but that's what happens with characters, don't, yeah. don't you think? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. They kind of go off in different directions. What was uh, one of the characters in your books, like in the first two that are out right now, that kind of had a life, more of a life of its own than you expected when you started writing them? Bethany. Tell us some more about Bethany and why. <laughs> well, Bethany uh, is a bum. <laughs> she's the archetypal lazy student which um she's her mother is is um uh, which is the left-hand path she's a single parent family um the mother's a single parent family bethany's the only child and she wants bethany to become uber witch and bethany's just too damn lazy you know she'll be the kind of witch who would go and look for a spell in Wikipedia because it's just <laughs> too much of a headache to go through books. You want me to read? <sighs> oh, come on. You know, can I, can I just go and buy something and make it happen? You know, her sort of magic would be, she thinks she'd achieved magical status where she ordered a, dom a pizza from Domino's. She's only got enough money for a margarita and one with all the trimmings turns up. Hey, magic. <laughs> that's, that's her kind of, you know, spell casting bonus so high magic's got nothing in her remit and i paint her as this really awful loathsome teenage brat who you want to slap but she's developed into as you'll see in the, uh, the next book coming out the audio book called um, the eye sigil she's developed into more than that she's she developed more into like um well, in the Ice Sigil, you'll know there's a lot of parallels to the JFK murder. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'll leave it at that. But there's, as an American, you're reading and go, hold on a minute. There's a. <laughs> and you start noticing things like names of, of the lawyers and things like that, and the way um, a murder that happens in the story. I'm not saying there's a book depository or anything. Oh, man. Stuff, That's great. <laughs> from the bell tower. And <laughs> Bethany develops as a character in that where you start getting to have sympathy for it. And that's all for a reason. All the Wittgenstein stories get darker with each one that comes out. It'll get darker and darker and darker. The humor stays there, but each one gets darker. Mm -hmm. That's great. But Bethany, and Malcolm as well. I didn't realize Malcolm would be as big a character as he is. Or Malcolm's mother, Thora. They're, they're quite... Ruby, see, Ruby starts out as the main character, but she's taken a backseat because she's more of the a fulcrum where things happen around her. I see. Okay. And yeah. she can just like point things out and do the Hercule Poirot summing up bit at the end. Mm-hmm. It's a great way of putting it. That's, that's <laughs> her job. Um, and the rest of the people have all the things going around it. Uh, the mayor, he's taken a life of his own, but that's mainly through Steve Harris because Steve Harris has injected his own takes on the characters doing the audio. Mm -hmm. Now, Steve Harris has got a big, not argument, uh, but he dislikes another comedian who's very well known in the UK, is mm -hmm. on mm -hmm. TV, da, 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 because this comedian stole lots of material from Steve and never, uh -huh. given, never given any credit. Right. So Steve is playing the mayor in the voice, in the mannerism, of this. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's the old thing where, you know, be careful what you do because I might just write you into my story. And as a narrator, that's one of the other things that you get to do is to say, you know who I'm going to make this guy into. Well, it's not, it's not just the narration because we're, we're filming. Um, Tim, Timothy Plain recommended that we make a one minute to two minute video to sum up what Widow Shins is all about. Okay. I gotcha. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, that's what we're doing. And Steve Harris, we've got little cameos of characters in there. Okay. And Steve Harris is playing the mayor. Now, mm -hmm. Steve's wife is a makeup artist 
for a, theater, a very well-known theatre company in Manchester. And she went and got him a wig in the same hairstyle as the comedian. <laughs> He's uh, <laughs> an idol. And the same pair of glasses. I have to see right. this. Amazing. <laughs> well, when that's ready to release, you let me know because I'd love to. I'd love to put a link out there to people. Oh, oh yes, please. <laughs> most certainly. But because Timothy Plain hit the nail on the head with, for me, he said, "You're trying to get media people to like Widdershins. You've not got a chance." He said, "Because you go on the website and there's so much there, you don't know where to start." Yeah. And all the stories are there, but you don't know where to start and you don't know what to do. He said, mm-hmm. "Media people won't read." He said, "Give me." A one or two minute Game of Thrones type trailer. And that was the brief. So that's what we've gone making. So I went knocking on doors. I found a friendly filmmaker who's doing it for nothing. We've got some actors who are doing it for nothing. Mm -hmm. So everyone's pitching in again. So it's got to work, hasn't it? Yeah. (laughs) Blin's been doing the music. Um, And Everything, the best way I can describe Widdishans, um, I don't know if you, you probably did get them in the States. Um, there was a network called ITC, and they used to do all the things like uh, TV shows in the 60s called The Persuaders mm-hmm. and The Champions. Mm-hmm. And oh, Tony Curtis was in The Persuaders with Roger Moore. Okay. I don't know if you ever. But there were these like sub genre, not man from uncle type spy things, but. Like the Avengers in the 60s. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, as a child, I loved all those. And we don't seem to have that kind of thing on TV anymore where the whole family can watch it and the adults will get something from it and the children will get something else from it, but it's still it's still there. Yeah. So that's what we're trying to create, where different people can get different things at different levels from it. We've looked Where in Widowskins, we've got the humor. So you can just watch it or you can just read it or listen to it. And you can take it as a complete story. Thank you very much. Ha, ha, ha. Wasn't that nice? And then mm-hmm. you'll get the conspiracy theories going, hold on, into Google. My God, St. Mark's Census Church exists. <laughs> and then you're going further. Oh, my God. The statues, he said, they're there. Yeah. The Masons thing, it's there. So then you get your, your uh, complete occult nutters going into it and saying, oh, yeah. well, that's because of, you know, obviously you must drink three pints of cat's blood a night. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously. (laughs) No other reason. (laughs) And why not? If different people can get different things from it, that's, that's what we like to play with. And you know, and what Glenn, that's what, you know, when, when you said earlier, you were talking about the difficulty you were having finding a traditional publisher just because mm-hmm. they wanted it to fit into, you know, a particular, they wanted that peg to fit into that hole. And yeah. to me, that's one of the things that I've seen with the emergence of self-publishing is that we can do things that don't fit directly into that hole anymore. And I find that fascinating. Yeah. I think that things that have that many layers and that many ways of being looked at. I I think there's a lot more that you get out of it, obviously, because there's a lot more that's going into it, but I think it's a lot Mm -hmm. more marketable because you have a a broader audience that can identify with that. The the problem is, is the big publishers do have the marketing budgets to expose the work. And that's where self-publishing fails because we don't have the avenues to let yeah. people know we're here. That is the challenge. Mm-hmm. But look for me, Steve Harris is doing this stuff. He's yeah. now been put up to TV work. And so he's now pushing it under people like the BBC and ITV knows. And they're saying, oh, that's interesting. Where's your one minute trailer? And he's gone, funny you should mention that. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I think that's the thing yeah. though, is with these independent things is it's, it's, um, it, I have always felt that like, Good work, as long as you work hard and you you try to get it out there as much as possible and you get the right people involved, it eventually finds its audience. And yeah. it, it's about the quality and it's about, like you said, just making that right connection at the right time um, to get it to a larger audience. But the, the quality also, of the work is the, is the most important thing, obviously. Yeah, we've also got to be – not only have you got to get it out there, but you've got to be – what – God, it's going to sound awful, but a receiving person, a person who wants to talk to people who and who wants to listen. 
Right. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, because um, I've met a lot of writers, and the problem is with a lot of writers, they don't, they pick up stories from people, but they don't listen to people. And for something yeah. to come across as true, you've not only got to just to hear the story, but feel the story. Yeah. And there's a lot of people out there who are just regurgitating stuff. Right. You know, um, and I've, I've always loved gabbing with people and I've been self-employed for 20, 21 years now. And I think that's taught me a lot of not social skills, but talking to people and, and particularly in picking up a brief, you must listen to somebody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you don't get the brief right, you don't get paid. <laughs> Bottom <Nope>. line. <laughs> That's a good point. Um, so I've, I've learned to listen. It's cost me a lot. I've learned to listen. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, we, it, it, the, the days of being the reclusive writer or the reclusive artist aren't there anymore. If you want your work nope. to be out there and to be noticed, you have to learn to market yourself, you have to learn how to be creative about getting the word out about what you do as well. Um, so yeah, uh, it's, it's I a think, big part of it. But I think you've got someone to, I think you've got to like people as well. Yeah, you do. <laughs> it helps. <laughs> yeah. Cause then you're talking to people and you're listening to their stories and, and then you can actually experience everything and you're not alone in the world writing and whatever you're yeah. doing. Things grow and become more interesting when you are part of a collaborative pro- project, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it is. That, that's where I've been lucky with uh, Glenn and Steve. They're so positive about this as well. Because when, when I was originally writing them on my own, thinking, what am I doing here? Spending all this time, like, churning stuff out that very few people are actually bothered about. And then I met Glenn, and he went, we're doing this. And now I I sat down. The lovely thing he wrote for me in, in a Christmas card was, I was originally a fan of his band Alpine Stars and would travel around the country to see them. Then we met and he wrote a new Christmas card, you were the fan, now I'm the fan. And I thought that was really touching that he, he's flipped it the other way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, we recently interviewed a filmmaker and, and I learned a phrase that I didn't know, isms. And this yeah. is where a writer mm-hmm. will write for the, you know, the, the, the actor that's going to be playing the part. I was curious now that you have this change where there's a lot of audio work and now you're going to be doing filming and stuff like that. Do you find that you write differently for the way that it's going to be delivered in the audio world? And that's a great one because Steve Balshaw pointed that out and he said, my work was always because I was a because I'm a graphic designer and illustrator. I've always written in a cinematic way because I can see the mm-hmm. pictures in my head before they go down the paper. And he said it, it, none of it's altered because it was always pictorial anyway. So, no, thankfully, it's not changed. I think nuances may, and they will change when a director gets hold of something because they'll have their own vision of it, which won't be yeah. my vision. Because the way Jeanette may see something in, in her head when she listens to the audio of a person um, won't be the same as the person I've had up in this fetid thing wasn't right <laughs> but that's all part of it I mean, uh, sometimes you know when you've it must have happened to you when you've read a book or listened to an audio and had an image in your head and then you see the film you're thinking mm-hmm. yeah happens all the time because <laughs> I like to read the books that. before the movie or before I watch the movies always yeah. It, I think the fact that you have spoken to real life people and have heard their stories and have translated them into these characters really, really shows because the characters themselves, like the stories, the plot, like the adventure that's in your books are really exciting. But the characters, they're just so delightfully quirky and real. And I just love all of them so much. You know, I, I was told by another publisher that, oh, this this can't go anywhere for adults because you've got... You've got talking animals in it. So? I don't know. Oh, hold on a minute. If, if you go on, on TV any time of the day now, adults are watching anamorphic stuff. You know, it's, yeah. but that was one of the big rule outs for one of the major publishers for me. No, no, can't touch you. 
you're tre treating adults like children. So, well, no. If you look at the Celtic belief practice, the, one of the one of the whole Celtic um, witchcraft practices was that animals speak. Animals do speak. You just have to listen. Yeah. That's what so you're just treating adults as like educated adults who are aware of the world. That's the <laughs> difference. <laughs> I love Again. that there's talking animals. I think they added a lot to it. The, like, I'm forgetting everyone's names though. But T Tobias, you, you just wait. You just wait till you get hold of Isigil and see what Tobias does. Oh my in gosh, Melvin! I cannot wait. <laughs> um, the Isigil is when um, we had a really bad winter here a few years ago, and it was just in this area. Every, we were just frozen in solid, and it lasted for weeks. So I've, that's where the story idea came from. What happens if? So, and Tobias and Melvin go fishing. In the worst winter known to living memory, this hippie hedgehog, uh, it's a, you know what you're saying about who people are based on? Mm -hmm. uh, it, the voice in my head for Melvin the Hedgehog was always um, Donald Sutherland when he was in the film Kelly's Heroes. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. That fantastic character. So when, when you read about Melvin, that's, you can imagine there with the fez on his head. <laughs> and, the, and the reason that came about was I, was I was speaking to this hedgehog sanctuary. Yes, we have a hedgehog sanctuary in the UK. Believe it or not, there's a, there's a hospital for injured hedgehogs. That's excellent. Yeah. Yes. Well, so that's I was speaking awesome. to the guys there saying, where do these hedgehogs come from? And how come there's so many of them dead on the roads? You know, is it because they're slow when they cross the road and the car just goes, boom, boom, gone? No, 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 no. Most of them are blitzed out of their mind. Because hedgehogs in the UK apparently love magic mushrooms. Ah, oh, well, of course. Oh. <laughs> so they've gone along chomping up all these magic mushrooms, high on, you know, natural LSD. They sit in the road and see lights coming towards them. <laughs> they're like this is great <laughs> that's awesome so that's where melvin's face from i love that <laughs> stoner hedgehogs <laughs> completely well i have one last question um for from my side i was just curious what advice you have because it sounds like you've had a very interesting journey in you know, getting into this, doing the research, getting it written, the struggles with trying to get it published and finally resorting to getting it out there yourself. What advice do you have for mm -hmm. other writers that are maybe at the beginning of that kind of journey? Just do it. You know, it's the Nike thing, isn't it? Just do it. Just write it down. What's going to happen? If you don't, you always regret it. That's right. I started this because our... There's a very famous, there's a famous UK comedian called Eric Sykes and his autobiography was called, I'm writing this because no one else will. <laughs> and for me, that's the whole point of this. Just do it. Because if you don't, you'll always say, I should have done this. Right. Mm -hmm. And then at least if you write something and it turns out to be garbage, you'll know. And if it turns out to be brilliant, you'll know. <laughs> but you'll never have that what if in your head. Because you'll right. know. Exactly right. I think that's great advice. <laughs> I'm just thinking about it right now. It's like having the cards that you were looking at earlier. The answer is no. <laughs> I don't believe you. Let's do it anyway. And then yeah. you did it. And then you knew for a fact. It wasn't just yeah. a nebulous answer in the world. You had actually gotten it done. <laughs> if you don't do it, it will always eat away at you. No matter what yeah. it is in life that you wanted to do, it will always eat away at you. I should have done that. I could have done something if. And the bar Instead, you can always bars say, full of people is, I could have been somebody yeah. if. If. Well, try the if. Try the if. And if you succeed, you know. And, and if you <laughs> don't, that. it's one thing you cross off your list and you say, well, that didn't work. Now, now yep. I can try this. Brilliant. And then you don't have that big what if lurking in your background all the time. And I'm not just saying that because of written stories. The big one for me, the biggest one in my life was Kat and I uh, met when um, she was still in Russia. She invited me over to Russia. So I'm not a great traveler. I have no sense of direction. 
In fact, one time I ended up in the wrong country, completely wrong country, but that's a different story altogether. <laughs> so we decided to meet, and I decided, and I'm going to blame Americans for this as well. Awesome. <laughs> I, I decided to go to Russia to meet the cat. Okay? So mm-hmm. get all my visas ready. Do, 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 do. Get on the plane in the UK. And the plane goes from UK, Frankfurt, in Germany, and then from Germany to St. Petersburg. Yeah? So I get on the plane in Manchester, take off from Manchester, land in Frankfurt. All is good. All is fantastic. And I'm sat in Frankfurt Airport waiting to make the connection. And then I can hear two two more English-type voices behind me. And it's two guys who from the States who were doing a round-the-world tour. Yeah? Mm-hmm. And it was mm-hmm. a gay couple who'd won some money on some lottery or other and decided they were going to go around the world. Yeah? And they're going to UK, Germany, Russia. They're going to go to St. Petersburg, then they're going on to Moscow. So my pet loves history. They're sat there and they say, who are you? I'm English. Da, da, da. Oh, come and sit and talk to us. Okay, bear with me on this one. It's got a good outcome. Um, so I'm sat talking to them and telling them Russian history, and they think it's marvellous. You know, mm-hmm. getting a, you know, they've got a personal guide before they get there. Right, I get to go on the plane. I'm going to the cheap seats. You know, I'm going. I'm going cattle class. Mm-hmm. And they go, "Where are you going?" So I'm going cattle. No, 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 no. You're coming with us to first class. No, 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 no. <laughs> so they call the yeah, hostess over. Fräulein. We're on Lufthansa. Fräulein, he wants an upgrade. I don't. <laughs> no, he's with us. You know we've got these like basic golden tickets, and we spent a lot of money on this. He's our friend. He's coming with us. Right? Uh-huh. So I was asking first class, drinking champagne, being fed chocolates, and telling the history of Russia. Great. Wonderful. We land in Pulkovo, which is St. Petersburg Airport. And... We're going through customs, and you've got the normal surly people you have in, in customs, but these are more surly because these are huge Russian women with machine guns and dogs. So, you know, it's don't mess. Don't mess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And these two guys are thinking, oh, it's great. It's just like the Ipcrest file. <laughs> <laughs> so they got out of me the story of I was coming over to Russia to meet the girl that, you know, I've never, I've never properly met before. Um, everything was romantic and they thought that was fantastic you know you're traveling thousands of miles away this is one part of the story because this is the what if i went completely out of my comfort zone as a traveler to go way way out of my comfort zone to go to a totally different culture mm-hmm. to find out what if yeah so these yeah. two american guys got all this out of me and then we go through the passenger doors now you've got to bear in mind Kat and I have spoken on the internet, with Skype, we've been on the phone, written to each other. We've never physically met. Yeah? Mm-hmm. I come bursting through the, the doors with two guys who are, how can I term it? They are not shy at admitting their sexuality. Yeah. yeah? Very loud. <laughs> very, very gay. Very, very... In your face, you know, gay pride, YMCA. Very village people. <laughs> Kat is stood on her own in the reception lounge. They see Kat, scream at her, wave, hi, honey, he's hitting. <laughs> <laughs> How far out of my comfort zone was an English guy? Who <laughs> 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 first ever could have seen a chat to the person that he's just about to meet. <laughs> that's so, amazing so if I can do that as a, reti- a shy retiring English guy anybody can do anything <laughs> just go and do it <laughs> and here we are 10 years later we're married, three yeah. children and you and know then, the answer to that what if yeah I know the answer to what if <laughs> that is fantastic I feel like that's a good place to stop even though I have like one like cute question i like to ask well, people ask your cute question um so and we'll drop links and then you okay. can go to your meeting my- <laughs> perfect yep. so my question is um 
If you could have the Widow Shin series turned into any medium, film or TV or whatever, um, what would you choose and why? High-end TV. And it would have to be done by an American production company because they understand the long game. British TV companies don't understand the long game. And you'd be able to do more with it on TV than film. In film, you have yeah. to compress it into an hour and a half. In TV, you can let the stories run and develop the character better. No, that's a great answer. I think that's fantastic. It's a great answer. Yeah. Well, Richard, I do want to thank you so much for taking so much time with us today, obviously. Oh, thank you. This yeah, is absolutely. this is for everybody else, a two-part show, because we gave them a break in the middle. But, uh, you know, for you and, and Jeanette and I, it was one sitting. So thank you so much for taking the time and oh, thank you hey we'll do it again absolutely i mean i know you got more books to Brilliant. come out so we'll definitely uh mm -hmm. sit down and do it again because I, I found it fascinating to talk to you about the research and just the experience of of writing these books and kind of how you were almost it seems like you were pulled or called into doing this uh so it's really really cool thank, thank you again and like i said if there's anything you want as backup um visually or um any photographs or even like just snap grabs of the covers of book just let me know. Yeah. And I'll send them Excellent. over. Excellent. I took a old school version of notes the whole way. Tremendous. <laughs> that I want to like touch base on like all of these books and things. So I'll be sending you an email later with like stuff. I'd love some more photos and things of. And like I said as well about the widow bugle, any of your yeah. friends, have got any daft adverts they want to put in, or if they're doing bands or whatever, Send the information over to me. Then I can make a little advert to go in the bugle. So it all ties up things that are real. Excellent. Maybe Perfect. I'll send you some information on my little project, The Lift, because I, I, Fantastic. I, I think you dig it. It's, it's, a, it's a story podcast, and uh, it's a lot of fun. It's, it's, it's what I thought of whenever you were talking about <clears throat> people buying into a project that you were working on and wanting to be a part of it to the point where you were shocked and surprised by the number and and caliber of people that wanted to be involved. So, but Dan, if you, Dan, when you're doing anything that you're thinking of doing um, that you want to do crossovers with, send me little snippets of things because we have in the village um, a guy called Jim Bielidub, who's one of the all-time promoters for um, acts mm -hmm. and things, and he's always trying to do something. This is a character, but he's always putting adverts in the the newsletters. Of real things. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Love it. And trying to get them to. It's like Glenn went mad the other week because I put one in saying um, Jim Bielidub announces the reformation of Alpine Stars. Well, Glenn and the other guys called Richard, who were Alpine Stars, don't even speak to each other anymore because they hate <laughs> each other. <laughs> what do you mean? What <laughs> she said it was That's awesome. fine. Uh, <laughs> tremendous. Jeanette, would you give us links real quick for our good friend, Richard? Happily. So we have, uh, you can talk to him at Widowshins on Twitter. And uh, the website is widowshins.com, W-I-D-D-O-W-S-H-I-N-S.com. And you can also find him on facebook.com slash Widowshins. Excellent. Ta-da! Ta <laughs> Thank you, Richard. Really appreciate You're it. You're welcome. Societies rise and societies fall. When the time comes, one society steps forward to build a better future. The Wicked Library, Kettle Whistle Radio, Night Story Podcast, Prog Watch, Red Horse Radio, The Lift, History Goes Bump. Listen, the M Writing Podcast, Society 13, Rebuilding Society 
One podcast at a time. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.